This is John Walton, and you're listening to the Power Play Point Podcast with the Blue Liner on Point and Anna Knox. Here's Wilson, and on the right side, Welcome once again to the Power Play Point Podcast. This is your host, the Blue Liner on Point, talking to you live to tape from my humble abode in Glen Burnie, Maryland. And Merry Christmas Eve to all you listening out there, uh, especially you in the DMV. That is the District of Columbia, State of Maryland, and of course, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And of course, to all our other listeners around this uh, planet we call Earth, home, and uh, well, I uh, hope you're having a great holiday season, all of you. Hope you got your shopping and all your events done. And uh, yeah, great to be with you this holiday season. Hope you're having fun. Hope you're uh, with your families and uh, having a pretty good time of it. Uh, Anna the Mermaid, of course, is off this week and next episode. And uh, but I think we got a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, jam packed full of. Uh, stuff for you here and uh, i brought along a colleague that uh if you've been following the show better part of the last year or so uh, should be familiar to you and uh, he's live from the great state of north carolina uh jacob michael mr michael how you doing this evening what's going on man glad to glad to hear from you glad to hear from all the listeners man yeah absolutely and uh he is still with the sudden death sports podcast if you get a chance to listen to that, and that is with uh, Nicholas Earl. And if you get ever, uh, you're searching through uh, YouTube, you're looking for uh, some info about, uh, well, the, the major sports in general, especially, I uh, beg you to catch that because uh, you're in for a treat if you do. Well, we certainly appreciate that. Um, we're more, a little bit more of a gambling show. So if you're in sports betting, this is the type of atmosphere you want to be in. Well, so that full disclosure, I am, and that that's why I'm plugging in. And if not, you didn't hear it, but, <laughs> and that, that has, you know, there's, there's some fans on here that don't want to get into that. That's why I don't get into that as much here, but, uh, full disclosure, I am. So I, I happen to think this is one of the great resources that's, uh, that's out there. So, uh, nobody minds. I'm going to give it a plug because, you know, um, the Earl brothers and, uh, and Jake are friends, uh, but again, uh, it's a it's a wealth of of resource and knowledge. E- even if you're not into betting, because uh, they've got a lot of insight into uh, stuff that goes on, um, especially about hockey and football and and basketball. So, um, all right, so uh, here's where we're at as far as the season. Now, uh, if you're following along on the app, uh, I figured out a way. And one of the features I missed. Uh, in the old version of the app was how you could pull up a calendar view of your favorite team. So if you're in your favorite team, you're in the app now, you want to start out at the bottom left corner of your screen. Tap on the NHL logo that says latest. And then what that's going to show you is the latest score, the latest game that's coming upcoming for your team. 
You're going to put your finger in that scoreboard and swipe left. And if you do, that's going to bring up the calendar view for your team for the current month. So that's going to be December 2023 for this team. And you look below, you can go back or forward to the month previous or after. So November or January, that's going to show you the schedule with all the different scores. I thought that was one of the best features of the old app. Uh, the creators finally figured out how to put that in this time around. Uh, now, of course, if you see the latest game, uh, which was last night against Tampa Bay, you'll see that they have that as an overtime loss. Uh, you folks had one job that wasn't an overtime loss. It was a shootout loss. So guys need to fix that, among other things. But they're improving, so I wanted to give them props and credit for that. Um Okay, so now that we're on again with that, I'm going to go over the four games that were played when we last left you. And the first of those four uh, happened to be attended live and in person by my guest co-host for this week. Um, So he's got some uh, special insight on that. So let's go ahead and uh, jump into that game. And of course, it was against the Carolina Hurricanes. I had this, I admittedly, I had this down as a loss because I knew Carolina had been struggling, but they're still, I would say, a top tier team, easily top five in the league, definitely top three in the East. So I didn't think they'd fare too well, our Caps would, against this team. Like I said, even though they've been struggling, but somehow they managed to come out with the win. So as a 2 1 win, let's quickly go over the scoring. Um, no score in the first period. Um, uh, our lovely frenemy, uh, Sebastian Aho gets his 12th to break open the scoring at 741. Um, Jarvis with the assist on that one. And then about four minutes later, Martin Ferdavati with his first of the year cranks open the shot. Uh, Tom Wilson, Dylan Strom on the assist on that one ties it up at 1133. Um, Let's see if the app will cooperate. Yes, it is. And it's bringing up the replay. Okay, so Strom is bringing it out of the end on the breakout. Stick handles across center into the zone, drops it for Wilson, who finds Ferrari in the slot. Hell of a shot from the high slot um, over Kachetkov's uh, shoulder and into the top corner. Wicked shot. Uh, And you know he's got it. You know, he's got it. We just don't see it enough from from Martin. And uh, my opinion, I, I don't know, if Jake, if you want to agree with me on this, but my opinion on Ferravari is he has become the replacement for uh, Dmitry Orlov. Um, I No, I actually I would agree with that 110 percent, but I, I I just don't think he's simply going to be able to live up to the bill. And I, I, I think their ultimate goal for him is to also be a replacement for John Carlson, who's 34 years old. So I, I, I mean, if he can't live up to the build of replacing Orlov, he's certainly not going to live up to the build of replacing, <clears throat> excuse me, Carlson. But I, I, I do think that he is a bright spot regardless of all of those. Yes, definitely. And uh, I was kind of afraid for his development because it looked like at points last year, he'd hit a wall and uh, it wasn't, it wasn't too, uh, I don't know if uh, we were all positive he was going to get around that wall, but I think 
he's he's found a way around that wall and he's still on that upward trajectory. So that's especially on the defensive side. Um, I would love to see him shoot more, like I just said. And uh, this this is an, is an example why uh, we know he's he's got the speed. He's got the skating. Uh, just need to see him shoot a lot more. And, uh, you know, while Orlov was here, we got to see that shot that he had. So I'm hoping, you know, that that comes out a little bit more. Maybe you know, the new coaching gets him to display that some more. But, you know, I'm pretty happy with his game overall. Well, um, so go ahead. Yeah. With the upside with him is he is a much more physical defender than Carlson could be. Yes. Um, he, he, he's not, I, I'm not willing to say that he's a more physical defender than Orlov because Orlov, when he wanted to, he would crunch you. Um, so I, 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 I would put him at, if I was going to, put it in a level of tears and say Dmitry Orlov was A, I would put Martin Farivari probably a C plus or a B minus right now. No, I would say uh, Farivari's physical game is there. He's just, uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, he shows a lot more restraint on that front than Orlov ever and, and did. And that, that's why I'm kind of shy to put him on the same level. Yeah. Yeah, so probably need to see that a little bit more, but uh, his overall game, I'm, I would say I'm pretty pleased with uh, at this point anyway. But uh, still uh, got a way de- to go. He's definitely a top four defender in our system. Oh, yes, yes, most most certainly. Um, all right, so back to the game recap. Um, wasn't any uh, scoring, uh, so we went to the overtime, nothing there. One shot each for that period. And then uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov does his magic, uh, gets the one um, the one goal, the one and only goal. And uh, Kemper continues his magic in the shootout and uh, stops all shots coming his way. 28 saves in total, not counting the shootout. Uh, and the Caps uh, get out of Dodge or Raleigh with uh, a 2-1 win. And, uh, yeah, it could be argued that they stole this game. But uh, like we were talking about before we went on, um, if you'd have said they at some point they were going to play the Carolina Hurricanes this year, limit them to less than 30 shots and one goal, one regulation goal, I'd have said, uh, what kind of laughing gas have you been inhaling? Because I didn't see that happening, but they got the job done. So you were there, Jake. Uh, tell me all about it. What uh, what What all did you take in? Well, to say they limited them to 30 shots, I wouldn't go that far because I think they ended up having 29 shots. So, well, so I'm not I'm not going to be the one to mince words about one shot. What I will say is this, is Darcy Camper stood on his fucking head all night long. Darcy Camper showed why. That night, he showed why we paid him the money that we pay him. And, and like he showed that he is the goalie that he can be. And uh, even whenever it was going to the shootout, as soon as it went to the shootout, I went to the game with the Earl brothers and I looked at Nick and I was like, we're about to lose because I was convinced there was not a chance. Darcy Camper was going to stop all three shutout attempts or excuse me, shootout attempts, <clears throat> but he did like he, he stood on his head he played behind a team that essentially left him out to dry 
There is not one reason that we should have won that game. We did not win the puck possession in any end of the ice at any period, at any point of that game. And, you you know, you've had people who looked at that exact overtime and how much time we wasted in our own end just playing with the puck to say why we should not, like, why this is why we need to change the system. And I would agree with those people, but I'm also happy that we came away with the win. So what what gave the Caps the edge in this game? Do, do you think since since they still allowed? I mean, if if you're if you're allowing twenty five more than twenty five shots in my estimation, you're you're not doing your job, and especially against a team like Carolina that is going to go after you and take the puck away from you at every opportunity possible, which is why they're so good. And you give up that many scoring chances, let alone shots. How, how do you think it was that the caps came away with the win? Darcy Kemper. (laughs) I cannot stress that enough. The man stood on his head. That team put him out to dry like they have done for the last year and a half. They put him out to dry, but it just so happened that on this very particular night, he stood on his head. He did not let anything go by him, and he was he showed you why they pay him the money that they pay him. The, the difference factor in this game, by far and out, was Darcy Kemper. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. In fact, I would agree. Um, 29 shots is far too much. I mean, it's better than 30 shots. It's better than 35 or more. But 29 shots is far too much for a team that has the kind of skill that Carolina has, Um, especially when you've got you've got uh, (laughs) on top of that, you give them five power play chances now in a in addition to Kemper standing on his head, I would give some of the credit, maybe a lot less of the credit, but some of the credit at least to the penalty kill. Um, they killed off five penalties that they gave up, five power play chances to Carolina. The, the, the penalty kill speaks for itself because at one point they had solved, I, I think they had stopped like, what was it, 30 straight penalties? 30-something, 30, 30 yeah, in a row. Yeah, so the penalty kill, like, they speak for themselves. But the five-on-five play and what I watched Darcy Kemper have to go through, the fact that he did not let in more than one goal, like, like that that was a Vezina-type performance. And I think his detractors would say, well, we don't see that often enough. And uh, I would say in the month of December, we have. Um, we won't get it. We won't get into that too much. Um, but <laughs> it, it, this, this was, this was a great game nonetheless. And, uh, it was, it was great to see them come out with the win. Um, uh, I, now the, the faceoff percentage might've been a little bit key to their possession, but even so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, if you look at the numbers, I'm kind of other than Kemper's performance, I'm not quite sure how they came out with the win but i'm really glad that they did it took them it took them i just said that uh we just uh it it took them into the damn shootout which 
I, I won't go into ad nauseum why I hate still. Um, but yeah, they came away with the win. I, I couldn't be happier. And uh, I mean, next time around, I don't think, I, I think Carolina will be, I'm not going to say they were ill-prepared, but I think Carolina will know what, you know, how better to expect. So that that's really going to be an interesting game next time these two play. Um, I think Carolina beats us by four the next time we play. Well, yeah, I don't think, I, I, I don't think Carolina quite knew what to expect with this team, uh, but they sure will next time around because they're one of the better prepared teams in the league. Um, so I can't think of anything else to take away from this game. Um, so we're going to leave it at that. But uh, I was, you know, again, I was pleasantly surprised uh, with the win. So the Caps have two, had two nights off, two, three nights off after that. And then last Wednesday, uh, when I conveniently went on holiday break uh, from my job, was the very next game back home in the or was it back home or was it at UBS I'm trying to think no it was back home in cap one um and this one this one we're kind of gloss over because I I watched the game but it was kind of blur to me um uh Hendricks LaPierre got his second of the year um him and um Alexei Protus I think uh got some real real chemistry going love to see them together um his second of the year Protus uh on the assist to open the scoring at 956 no scoring again until the second period. Hudson, what the fushing from the Islanders clutterbuck. Um, he probably got the assist by accident. Uh, ties the game 1-1. Uh, Joel Edmondson. And uh, but th- this is a guy, this is a guy who uh, has been on he, your. He's been SHI- better than I thought he would be. Well, he's been on your SHIT list for the longest time, but he he blasted away from the point and got managed to get this one in. Uh, for his first as a cap, uh, Mantha, Mantha and LaPierre on the assists on that one makes it makes it two one. Yes, dear. All right. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Yeah. The misses from the peanut gallery. Sorry, folks. But could I also add on to this, too? And this is what a lot of people don't know. And, and, and you know, I've told you this in private conversations before. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily view a plus-minus rating as necessarily, like, being that important. No, but it tells some of the story, at least. Alexi Protoss is top five on the team. Yes, he is. He's, he's top five in a lot of categories. So I've yeah, seen it like it, and it's, it's also encouraging, but it's also discouraging, uh, but we're going to get into that later, but I let's gonna, continue I was gonna on say about that, the Islanders game. That, that's going to, yeah, that that's going to come up in our, in, in the, the big discussion we're going to have uh, later, but yeah, that, that's, that's going to be an interesting topic of discussion for sure. But we'll, we'll get to that later on. Um, now, our uh, uh, one of the least favorite guys I, I like playing against, uh, Anders Lee, ties the scoring in the third to send it into overtime. And um, if you pay attention to one key stat, I like to point out it wasn't a surprise to me that the Caps ended up going to overtime in this game. If if um, 
again, you pay attention to a key step, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and then in overtime, uh, Caps get a power play about a minute or so in, and Dylan Strome puts it away, his 13th, Ovechkin, his 13th assist, Carlson, his 15th assist on it. Um, and since I can barely remember the game, let's call up the replay. Okay, so um, that looks like, okay, so Ovechkin and Carlson are playing uh, catch, catches catch can on the uh, point and then they and then Strom fires it and uh, Ovechkin's kind of the decoy at the left circle and Strom puts it away from the right circle and Caps win and there you have it and as my wonderful wife mentioned this game was also noteworthy for the debut of one Ivan Miroshnichenko yep and uh, I think Mr. Miroshnichenko acquitted himself quite well even though he didn't quite get on the scoreboard, but I think he played uh, very well for himself. Uh, now the, uh, the stats that he did have, let's call up here. Uh, so three hits officially and 12 shifts for 10 minutes and 14 seconds on the ice. Uh, I know he was credited with the, sh- with uh, at least, okay. So two shots on goal, um, both of which came on his first shift, I'm pretty sure. The first of which came very close to being a goal. Very close. I, and, I don't think that he had a bad debut whatsoever. No. But I do question why did you bring him up this early? Well, and that's I'm, I'm kind of glad you asked that. And I think, I think upper management wanted to see, they wanted to be like, okay, um, all right, let's see what we've got so far. Let's but turn there, on the- There's plenty of reasons to say yeah. that, but I could also ask you, why hasn't Suzdalev played with us? Um, well, I think Suzdalev is a bit caught in the numbers game. I think that's why they sent him, what was it, to, to Sweden he's playing in now? Yeah, but when when you're on a team who has it, like we, no wait like we literally have the only team in the NHL that has less goals than the Washington Capitals right now is the San Jose Sharks. So true. This, this is a team who is in dire need of offense, and you have a guy in Suzdalev who can provide offense, and he's not getting an opportunity. But Marostachinkev is not to say that I am not very happy for Marostachinkev. He's one of the best feel-good stories in hockey. But I mean, to to say that Suzdalev doesn't even deserve an opportunity to come up, and you're just going to go ahead and call um, Ivan up, I do not agree with that. Well, to play devil's advocate, I think uh, Suzdalev was not going to get the development chance had he had they left him in Hershey. I think that's why they sent him to Sweden. I think he's going to he's probably going to make his way back to North America probably next season. Uh, I mean, I'm not I don't have any inside information. I'm not an evaluator. I'm not on anybody's scouting payroll, but I would in my estimation, that should be what happens with him. Uh, and on the on the other side of it, uh, Miroshnichenko is well. You you spent a, a high first round draft pick on him, and this is the guy that's supposed to be um, well one of one of several Ovechkin of Ovechkin's heir apparents. So I think upper management 
you know, took the took the viewpoint of, okay, let's turn on the oven light and see how this bird is cooking. Well, I I think that them starting Marasachenkov over Suzilov, it shows me one thing, and we'll get into this later. It shows me that Suzilov is trade bait, and they don't necessarily have any intentions on bringing him into the system. Well, if he's going to be very true, but if he's going to be trade bait, then they, you know, they need to showcase him a little bit more and, and sending, sending him to Sweden doesn't exactly inspire a whole lot of count confidence, at least on paper. So that's why I'm thinking at some point, either late this year or next year, he's probably going to come back to North America. If indeed that but is we're, the plan. But we're going on what year four, year five. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, they're, they're waiting, waiting on something going on year two. Well, you know, he's, he's on a, he, Yvonne is on a bit of a faster track, admittedly. So I, you know, it, it, yeah, admittedly, but a year and a half versus five years. Also, well, you got to also look at it in that Russian Chaco has a higher ceiling, I think. I do think he has a higher ceiling as an NHL player, but I also do think Suzilev has a ceiling as an NHL player, and he's not been given the opportunity to show it. Well, it, we'll we'll see. If he they don't bring him back to North America within the year, then you know he'll he'll wind up in that graveyard. You know that that has uh, names like uh, Anton Gustafsson on them. Uh, anybody remember him? No, I didn't think so. Um, and Don Gustafson. Yeah, yeah. You remember him? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Uh, if that a name bad, sounds familiar. That, he was a badass bald man. Now, if, if anybody, if any of you old-timers remember that name, yes, he is relation. Uh, but no, he didn't turn out to be a very good uh, player like his old man, unfortunately. Um, so, let's see. All right. So, uh, Strom has the game winner. So, on to the next game, which was the very next night in Columbus. <laughs> Man, was this one fun to watch, especially if you were a Caps fan. Well, only if you were a Caps fan. Okay. So, let's get right on into it. So, Caps on the power play late in the first period. Cap yeah. Remember that phrase, Caps on the power play. Uh, Anthony Mantha, his eighth. Ovechkin, his 14th assist. Carlson. Ovechkin and Carlson moving the puck on the power play. Hmm. Who would have thought that would have been key to get the power play back, back up and running again? His eighth, Anthony Mantha's, puts the caps up 1-0. On to the second period. Sillinger, uh, three. His third ties it up. Uh, Johnny Hockey with one of the assists on that one. Uh, Mantha again scores uh, three minutes later, two minutes later. Uh, put the Caps back up in the lead. His ninth, uh, Protus and Carlson on the assist on that one. Protus had himself one heck of a week. Um, and then, uh, stop me if you heard this before, uh, Caps let the opposition back into the game late in the third period. Igor Chinnikov uh, ties it up, um, his ninth at 12.49. And on to overtime we go. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when the circus really rolled into town. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. So hopefully y'all saw it, uh, or saw a replay of it. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, this, this, this was fun to watch. It was nice back and forth overtime, uh, period. And okay. So yeah, we're, we're leading up to it. And there was this, there was a moment where 
Tom Wilson ended up in the net, literally inside of the net, and he was pushed in. Let's let's make no bones about it. He was pushed in by another player, and a Columbus player. A Columbus player. And uh, I'm not going to make too much about this, but there there's some really, really, really pathetic Blue Jacket fans who want to make a big deal about uh, well, why how how could he let himself be pushed into a net or bodied? by uh, a little guy from from the, from the blue jackets. Well, it's real easy to be hit from behind when when you're a friggin' coward, no talent player and you catch somebody from behind. I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, he ends up in the net because of that. Ends up on top of now Elvis Merzlikens, the goalie. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but his stick also ended up inside of the goal. So naturally Wilson ends up on top of said stick. Um, he goes back into the cage with Wilson in it, um, basically says, Hey, Tommy boy, you're sitting on my stick. Tom says, well, let me out first. No, of course it didn't go like that. It went more like, um, it went Tom more like you and you and you and you. That's exactly how it went. Yeah. I'm going to have to get the bleepo meter out on that one, but yeah, pretty much. And, um, Fists were swung, not so much by Tom, but uh, by Elvis. And, uh, oh, by the way, um, my friend Pete Fisher pointed this out. Uh, why the hell wasn't Elvis ejected from the game? Because last I looked, I'm pretty sure it's rule 50.1. Um, if, in the opinion of the officials, a an injury is caused by punching with a blocker hand, the blocker glove hand, that is subject to a match penalty. And there was well, clearly you, an injury. You, you, you answered your own question. Yes, I know. The officials didn't that. see it. Didn't see you, it. Yeah, so the, the only the ruling there to eject somebody is if the opinion of the officials. If the officials didn't see it, then there is no opinion to be had. Right. And that's why that that's exactly why that didn't happen. And that's exactly why that the uh the caps uh, didn't get benefit of Toronto interfering, which is uh, something I'll be discussing in a little bit here um, and, and calling that. And uh, because that technically is also subject to supplementary discipline, which is another codified rule. But anyway, uh, basically what happened was uh, hands were thrown and uh, Wilson smartly defended himself enough, didn't return blow for blow but defended himself enough so that he could get away. And guess who came away with the only penalty in that sequence? That's right. Elvis himself. And then that put the caps on the power play. And lo and behold, who would come to the rescue and finish his captain himself. 14 game drought and put it away for his sixth of the year. Beautiful wrister from where else? The left circle. After some uh, some pretty tic tac toe passing from Strom and Carlson at 4:07 in the overtime session and put it away and uh, yeah everybody's seen the picture everybody's seen the replay and trust me they were not serenading Elvis with a rendition of "Glove Me Tender" no it was more like what Jake just said with his "F you F you F you." Etc. 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 And if you want to make that out of a, tr- a Christmas card, I'd love to see all your captions like uh, Alan Alexa did the other night. <laughs> uh, I, I was Please just all kinds Christmas of fun. Christmas cards to me. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, and to me, uh, and, and yeah, you want to make a meme out of that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm welcome to see it, but yeah, all kinds of fun to watch. Now, again, this highlighted, you know, I got to throw in some bad here and I'm going to point it out in case you haven't figured it out. It's the third period shot total. It, it, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. It's another game. They got lucky in. Five for this period. If you go back to the Islanders game, call that up. How many shots did they get in the third period of that game? Eight versus 16 against the Islanders that they gave up. You can go back to the Carolina game. What was the differential there in the third period? One, no, that was the overtime. Five. Five that they got against 13 that they gave up in the third period against Carolina. Okay, have you figured it out yet, you on the other side of the speakers, the earbuds, what have you? They can't keep doing that. That's not a trend that is sustainable. Well, and let, I'm sure me, to speak on that, if you don't mind, let me interject real quick. Go ahead. Another trend that's not sustainable is you're talking about shots in the third period. Let's talk about the whole game. Uh, since November, I believe it's since November 8th. November 8th, this team had a shot differential of plus five. From November 8th until now, when you and I are talking, they went from plus five to minus 225. So somehow in a month and a half, they have they're gotten themselves in. They're averaging being outshot 12 shots a game. Well, okay. Well, that, that says more than what I could say, but somehow. In a month and a half, they've managed to put themselves in a differential that they're being outshot overall <clears throat> 230 shots in all of those games. No, that is not sustainable. And yes, that is a big hole that needs fixing and repairing, as in permanently. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sure that among that's just an hors d'oeuvre, I'm sure, that that as far as you know. The, the 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 analytics and the stats that uh, Jake and I are going to be discussing after we recap this next game here, um, which was last night against the Lightning. And so let's go over that real quick. Um, first period, Luke Glendening of uh, his fifth, uh, Hedman. Uh, remember that name on the assist, 729 in. Uh, and then Anthony Mantha and uh, combines with Protus again. Well, Protus had the secondary. And uh, Nick Jensen, who I thought uh, sometimes Nick Jensen has a pretty good movement of the puck. Uh, this was one of those nights, and uh, he actually had a goal called back on hmm, a bogus offsides. Well, I, 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 I guess it's not bogus, but I, I don't know. They think they, I think they need to change that offsides rule. But it was clear that Edmondson fumbled the puck. But it was one of those cases where it was thirty seconds later the goal was scored. And look, I get, I used to be a history teacher. I get, yeah, you take one event out of sequence and nothing else happens. But I mean, come on, if it happens 30 seconds later and they've had all that time to clear the puck and didn't, I think that's something that the league needs to revisit, but won't, but just my 10 cents. Um, but the game's tied at that point. And uh, so the, the shootout, is what comes up. So overtime, they had actually had five shots in overtime. They wanted to put it away, and uh, but they couldn't. Uh, Vasilevsky had himself a pretty good game, I would say. 
and uh, 34 shots against him. He got 33 of them. Uh, but again, well, well, for once, for once, um, this was the only game of the week where they outshot the opposition in, in the third period, six to two. But um, unfortunately, uh, they came away on the wrong side of the shootout. Um, and uh, Hedman put it away in the fourth round, I want to say. And yeah, this, this is the kind of thing that makes me hate the shootout. But uh, yeah, uh, they were two for four. Caps were one for four. Kuzi got his. Um, yeah, I it, it's the shootout. So I, 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 you know, I don't want to talk about it, obviously. So um, I think, Jake, I think the, the this was one of the games that uh, you kind of you kind of missed, or, or did you have any insight on it at all? Uh, anything that jumped out at you? No, I, I wouldn't look back at it, and I think the game finished exactly the way it should have. Yeah, I I, w- I would agree. Uh, if you look if you look at the shot totals, maybe not, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm also looking at they have probably the best goalie in the NHL. Over the last five years, and and yeah, this is a team. This is a team that's having trouble putting the puck in the net in the first place. Yeah, and and then you match him up with potentially the best goalie in the NHL. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I you know they they come away with the loser point, and I guess you know given where they are and and what the expectations are. I suppose I'm okay with that, but you know, given the fact that it's it's the shootout and they held the lead for, you know, a certain amount of time and and for the majority of the game they limited the you know Lightning's chances. But but they did not help. They did not hold the lead through three periods. No, no, they did not. And if if you don't do that, then more often than not, you end up losing, and you deserve and, to lose. And then you end up subjecting yourself to a shootout. Now, before, uh, so one last thing before we get into uh, our feature segment, which is how the Caps are really doing on paper and beyond, uh, I got another little soapbox moment uh, I wanted to get out there. Now, I mentioned what the to-do that happened with uh, Elvis and Tom, um, and also there was uh, a moment this, the uh, in the Islanders game, the Strom game winner, in which... The Toronto office decided to interject itself and basically ruined the ending for paying fans uh, by making them wait for them to give their stamp of approval to end the game, in which there was zero infraction, zero anything wrong. I don't care who is looking at it. There was no high stick. There was no infraction. There was no nothing. So, I mean... I don't have a good opinion on the uh, NHL... Department well, of Water Safety. So I don't I don't either, but what what I'm building up to is the fact that I don't like the fact that as I put it to uh, another another listener in our chat room that Toronto gets to play the Lord thy God in deciding games like that. Um and somehow it needs to be legislated it needs to be legislated that uh, they don't have that power. Because I think it is a slap in the face to the game and the fans that they do that. Because, again, in that goal by Strom, there was zero wrong. There was no offsides. There was no high sticking. There was no goalie interference. There was no reason for them to interject themselves in that game. None. And the referees didn't request it. 
Uh, I don't know if the Islanders bench had a right to request it. They shouldn't have. But my understanding of the rule is if, if the Toronto office sees something, they have the right to interject and review it. There was no reason to do it. And they probably saw the feed where the the bald coach, I don't know if it was him, but the bald-headed coach in the glasses, uh, he was screaming his head off, bloody murder, like somebody had just shot his dog about something. And I think somebody in the Toronto office saw that, and they were like, okay, well, we better we better review it. But there was nothing to review. And my problem with that is you had... All those paying fans, they had to wait around an extra two to ten minutes just to make it official, and they shouldn't have. And that's a really bad way to run the game, I think. And this is one of about a hundred thing, hundred problems I have with the league. So I just wanted to put that out there. But you know, the fact that they play the Lord Thy God in in situations like that, I I. I can't stand it. And somehow they need to figure out what, you know, a better way that they can interject and then, and then they can't, because I think they're allowed to affect the outcome too much. And no, I'm not just saying it because they've had, the Caps have had so many goals called back by them this year. Okay. I think it's the fact that they're just too involved in the game. I get the fact that we have this wonderful technology that allows every play to be reviewed from every camera angle available. I get that. But somewhere, somehow, you have to draw that line and say, okay, you just got to let it happen. Anyway, well, that's my two cents on that. I, I, My problem with the, depart, uh, the NHL is you have a department of player safety that is willing to dish out a $5,000 fine and, and this is according to the NHL, the league itself. That is the max you can give somebody is a $5,000 fine for almost knocking someone's head off. But then turn around, and I'm with you on this one, ha- have the nerve to interject yourself in that call. At, at, at some point, you just have to look at it and say, Leave it to the officials on the ice. Exactly. I, I think I think that kind of thing should be for post-game reviews where the officials don't have a chance to see something that went on that A, would have affected the outcome, or B, deserves to be reviewed and punished if necessary. I think that is where Toronto should limit itself to being involved in the game. If it either affects the outcome somehow or is supplemental activity that the on-ice officials had no way of seeing, such as, by the way, Tom Wilson being punched in the face upwards of three or four times by a blocker glove. And Jake, you can attest to this. Those blocker gloves, they uh, hurt. Them damn things ain't pillows. As they as hurt. I, could, you I would rather get. I things. would rather you punch me in the face one time than get hit in the face by those. And that's why it's codified as a penalty if a, a goalie does it. But there's no way the ice officials saw that. 
because the play had gone the other way by then. And those were the only two at that end of the ice. There is no way, nor should they have. I'm going to give them a pass on this one. Their responsibility was to monitor the play. And it has gone, it had gone the complete opposite way at that point. So the, the on ice refs are and lines persons are off the hook. It's up to the league office at that point. And that's where they need to interject themselves and say, Hey, uh, this is on camera. We saw it. We reviewed it. This is clear violation of rule X, Y, Z. Uh, guess what? You out of here. That's where they need to interject themselves more. And they just don't. And that's why, that's why when somebody, you know, and, and no offense, Jake, but when somebody, you know, throws in the argument of the PA, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that because they're, they're a willing accomplice in all this, as far as I'm concerned. Oh no, there's no reason to say no offense because I agree with you 100%. The PA has been so inconsistent with what they do. You have l- literally set the ground for this. So we're now living in a league where a goalie can just take his blocker and punch somebody in the face three times and nothing's going to happen. Right. Even though there, there's a there's a clear rule that says uh, match penalty if you do that, which means out of the game. But you're right. It it did. They don't do anything about it. The Nothing, nothing is done, whether on the ice or off the ice, as far as supplementary discipline. And that's, and, and as long as the PA continues to be a willing accomplice, this kind of, th- this kind of crap is still going to go on. Oh so. yeah. And, and like, you would be surprised. You, you could ask anybody in the league and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to flex or anything, but I do believe I've shown you this, you know, I have a source in the league. Who, who played over 500 games with the Montreal Canadiens. This happens. I believe all it. the time. Well, I, I happen to know some, somebody else uh, that used to play for the Canadians that uh, literally demonstrated that. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's the same guy, but uh, yeah. I, and, and he now happens to be a part of the PA. So, yeah, I, I believe it. I believe it. Um, but yeah, we could go back and forth on, on these and other topics, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and stop it here. I know everybody's listening. It's been about 46 plus minutes by my count. So we're going to hold it here as locker says, and, uh, turn it over to part two, just so it's a little bit more easily digestible. Uh, it's a nice size episode as, Uh, You can all imagine. So what you can expect to hear in part two is uh, Jake going over some analytics and metrics that will, um, well, highlight a a very glaring problem that as well as the caps, our caps have been playing kind of puts a certain problem that they have in in a certain light that, well, makes it kind of obvious where they need to improve. Um, and on top of that, Jake also proposes some armchair type GM type deals that uh, may go a ways towards remedying that. Let's just say that discussion gets rather passionate uh, just to prepare you. So you may want to buckle up. Um, we're, it's, it's the not safe for work or children type of deal. So, yeah, you've been warned. Oh, and one last note, um, just to do a little self-editing after the fact. 
uh, I realize it's not Rule 50.3. It's actually Rule 51.3 regarding the punching with the blocker glove resulting in a match penalty. So you fact checkers, yes, I did find that out and I am correcting myself now. So uh, we'll continue with part two of this episode 241. Hope you all enjoy.